Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett. I'm joined by Darrell Godsey, the president of Heartbeat International, and Dr. David Forbes, the pastor of Columbus Christian Center Church and Ever Increasing Life Ministries. And Dr. Forbes will be giving a keynote to our attendees of the annual conference coming up here in, at the end of April in Kentucky. Um, and since he's here local to Columbus, Ohio, we thought we'd bring him into our office studio and uh, have him record an episode with us. So thank you both so much for being here. Well, thank you, Pastor Forbes. I appreciate it. Pastor David, I should say, uh, maybe that's the best preferred. Yes, that's just okay, fine. Great. Absolutely. Well, I, I have heard you speak uh, several times now, and I'm I'm so grateful that. Columbus here in Columbus, we have you as a as a uh, a local, uh, but we're excited to be able to share you with our friends uh, at the at the Heartbeat Conference here in uh, Louisville very shortly. So you'll be doing a keynote, but we're going to talk about some different things today. So it's not going to be you're going to have a special word for us then, but you have a special word for us now. Really, want to explore some of the things. Uh, I know you have this powerful voice. I know you have this deep conviction, but I want to go back to the beginning. Tell tell us like where did this all begin? <laughs> like tell tell us a little bit about Pastor David. Well, well, uh, my my beginning uh, in uh, a, a pro-life background really is my upbringing. I grew up in a Christian home. My f- grandfather, matter of fact, I'm a fourth generation minister of the gospel. Right? So uh, yeah. uh, we grew up in church and uh, those values of liberty and life and godliness, uh, I think that was the, f- the foundation of having... Uh, a pro-life uh, feeling and, and conviction in my heart. As I got older, uh, and, and I would say it this way, there's there's the ethical compartment of pro-life. There is the moral mm. compartment. Then there is the legal and then the political. See, all these are elements. And then there is the spiritual. Mm, mm-hmm. And so that spiritual piece was always there. When I got older and started getting more involved in politics, I could see that there's a tie in there as well. And uh, one of the very first experiences I had, my wife and I had just gotten married. We moved here to Ohio. And of course, I was, uh, you know, I just had a little edge on me. And so I called a, a local Planned Parenthood office and Ooh. asked. Hey, I just got married. My wife and I would like to plan our parenting. Would you help us? Uh, excuse me, sir. What are you asking? No, I'm asking your planned parenthood. We would like to plan our parenthood. Can you help us? Uh, well, d- d- your wife is pregnant and you're seeking to end and terminate that pregnancy? No, no. We want to plan our parenting. And of course, I was being somewhat sarcastic and uh, uh, that was a victory that day. Um, but... Uh, I'm very committed. Um, I don't believe you can divide those five disciplines I gave you, moral, ethical, legal, political, and spiritual. They, they all point to one direction, and that is a pro-life, uh, a, a pro-birth uh, scenario. My wife and I, this did not help us to be more pro-life, but it 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 stamps it even mm-hmm. harder. Mm-hmm. Um, on our third pregnancy, uh, my wife suffered a miscarriage mm. and uh, it was at church. We were in a church meeting and uh, she had to leave the sanctuary to go into my office as she was oh, wow. uh, going into miscarriage. And uh, I went to be by her side and I held my son the the cervix. Uh, from a previous birth had been traumatized. Mm. And so when the baby got to a certain weight, the cervix could no longer hold him in and mm. he he just came out. This was at 14 weeks. Wow. 
and I held my son in my hands. I see his head. I see his body. His legs and arms are flailing to hold on to life. Mm -hmm. And I already was Mm pro-life. But after seeing and experiencing that, I I made up my mind that I would tell that story to as many people as possible Mm -hmm. because we all know that life begins in the womb. We, we, we know that. But again, it's at conception. So mm-hmm. uh, that, wow. that's my so, background. So far away from this term that gets thrown around too easily that we're just a clump of cells, right? This, sure. That's all that's being talked about. But that, that uh, miscarriage experience really brings it um, home in a special way and, uh, and a yes. way for you to remember a special as, as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and to identify with pre-abortive women, post-abortive women, being a male, I can say, hey, I don't know exactly what you're feeling, but I did hold mm-hmm. a 14-week-old, not a fetus, but a life mm-hmm. in my hands. And I believe that adds credibility and uh, a, cer- a sense of compassion as well to that. Mm-hmm. That that's what, that's what people... Many people are denied that, you know, the, particularly uh, in the history of abortion in the U.S. and everywhere is it's a surgery there. You know, women yep. are not having to really be confronted by this. But now in the age of chemical abortion, you know, that experience, not at 14 weeks per se, but that's right. happening just a short time earlier. Right. And some of the women are experiencing the very same thing. And wow, like you have that very personal uh, connection to that yes. with your, with your, you know, being there, comforting your wife, having that experience. Um, how does that translate um, in your, in how you see really your pro-life expression playing out? I appreciate your kind of after the Planned Parenthood folks kind of tagging <laughs> them on their name, you know, after all, that's what they say, right? But that's not quite what they do. Right. And now, is it, you know, we talk about really being one thing and being, I'm pro-life and pro-life is more than voting. It yep. needs to include voting. Yes. But it also needs to be something that we walk out more often, even in our daily lives. How how do you see that? That's a great question. And I believe that is the the uh, the genesis or the the inflection point of where Christians sometimes get defeated mm. in these Types of arguments. We have a good heart as Christians. We have a, 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 a love for God, a love for the word of God. But when it comes to fighting, we're not good at fighting because we want to be patient. We want to be loving and kind. We want well, to those be are the gifts of the spirit. Understanding. Right? There, yeah. yeah. The, the, but, but didn't. But Jesus also started bringing a sword. Right? He said, you know, bring the, a sword no, and a, uh, not, not, not a real a one. shield. Like, yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Not not a real sword. We understand that. Um, so I, I believe, again, I, I like to cover all of those points. I like to make sure that as a pastor, I'm teaching people ethically why pro-life is superior to pro-death. And, and again, etymologically, mm. you know, they they want to be pro-choice. But if we're pro-life, then the opposite of that would be pro-death. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. So ethically, morally, politically, legally, and then spiritually. So I, I, I aim to develop people across that spectrum. So scripturally, we can always prove our spiritual point. But then what if a person does not subscribe to biblical truth, and there are many people that don't, I believe a pro-life argument can still be made Mm -hmm. without the word of God. And I I don't want to leave the word of God out, but I'm saying even if a person does not agree to that, 
uh, we, we I believe they can be convinced that uh, life is in the womb. And, and that's the whole thing you talked about a moment ago about the abortion pill. And I believe it's 50 percent of the abortions in our country. Oh, it's higher now. Or yeah. Higher 50, now. It's actually 54 percent in 2020. Wow. And, you know, so you think about like even the repercussions of COVID and then we have the Biden administration right. come in and making changes. Yes. We're concerned that it's as high as 75% or 80% even yeah. now. So it boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. Who sits and uses their medical degree and training to figure out how to create a pill to kill a baby? I, I don't understand that. But technology goes both ways. So the yep. Lord says, well, I can show my scientist how to develop an ultrasound because we know that if a mother, even teetering in, in, on uncertainty, if she sees what I saw at 14 weeks, she's more likely to decide to have that baby. Yep. So technology goes both ways. And uh, but back to the other point, I just believe Christians have got to learn to present our ideas in the arena of ideas in the arena of thought and uh, be able to persuade people with the scripture, but also outside the scripture. Which which we can do. The science continues to prove the point of scripture. Which Precisely. Is, which is fun, uh, uh, particularly for us, because we're already there with the scripture. And now the science, and I found it ver- these things very compelling. Uh, when we start to understand the humanity at an earlier, earlier stage, the reality of, of, of unique DNA, which happens, right. as you mentioned earlier, happens at conception. Right. At conception, this is a whole, unique, separate human being. Yep. And so that's what gets us really into the other conversations about the morality and the yes. ethics, the legality. But in your working with um, your congregation and even even other other Christians, where you can see how sometimes people will agree in one area, but they're they're not sure of the connections in the other area. Sure. How do you help people move that? the spiritual conviction into, you know, particularly facing into, into things like situational ethics. Sure. Where, where they're, they're gravely concerned for the, the woman who's, who's in a difficult spot. There's no question. Like working in pregnancy help uh, centers for years, we recognize that she's in her, – her options are bad and worse in her mind, right. right? But now we know that, but yet we want her to choose what's best, Right. In that bad situation, which is never to kill the child, right? It's always to 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 work with God on the process and and let Him pave that path and let Him help us figure out how yes. we're going to do that. But how do we get the the Christian who's there sp- from a spiritual standpoint to now work that into their into the other elements that 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 you're talking about? Well, we've got to use your uh, alliterative <laughs> trilogy here as well. We've got to reach them. And rescue them that this is not a pre-abortive mother. This is a gentleman or mm-hmm. a woman or a child or a teenager. They need to be rescued because mm-hmm. culture is constantly battering them with these false choices and lies. We also need to reach them and rescue them. And then we also have to renew them, have them mm-hmm. renew their minds. So that, that trilogy is not just for pre-abortive or post-abortive moms. It's for mm-hmm. all of us. All of us. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that what I do as a pastor is I aim to to make this discussion normative. So mm. other than just pro-life Sunday, uh, once 
a year Mm -hmm. or rather than just one event, you're subject to hear uh, a reference to pro-life, to uh, our battle against the spirit of Molech, the spirit of Baal. You're liable to hear that in any sermon at any time. (laughs) So that that Molech demon, he's never safe around me because... I will pull out the blood of Jesus on him Mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat and bring truth and not just the emotional side. But why do we believe? Why is it important to remember that God creates every child in his image, that every child in a mother's womb is created in the image of a holy God? And to to take that child's life is the ultimate slap in the face towards that child's creator. What we're saying is, God, you don't rank, you don't rate with us. You're not Mm -hmm. important to us. And uh, so not only is it hatred towards the mother, it's hatred. And if I can say this as well, the the abortive, pre-abortive or post-abortive mother to me is a victim as well, a victim of this system Mm. that pushes and just drives and just grinds people and drags them through lies until they just will give in and believe. So I want to rescue everybody from that. <laughs> and um, But I believe the tide is turning. Um, two things that I think have got the church, hopefully, on one accord, is a love of Israel mm. and pro-life. Yes. You know. So true. This, that's something I say often. Because, you know, at Heartbeat, we celebrate when uh, Christians from different parts of the spe- Christian spectrum yep. can work together. Because yes. if we can't work together on this issue, the issue of protecting lives in, in the yes. womb, the, cre- the, the, gift of, the gift of life, that, yes. the, that, and the giver of life, right? If we, if we can't work together on this issue, I don't know what else we can work on. Certainly, uh, love of Israel would be another good one to, 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 that should tie us together as well. When we're working and to really encourage, I so appreciate how you said, um, make it normative. Um, because to me, when we're working to try to help people understand this, there's too often what keeps them from allowing it to be normative is usually the darkness of their own, of a sin of their past or that of someone that they know. Agreed. And, and they, they, they wrestle with, entering into all of those elements. They recognize, maybe they recognize God's place in all this. And they say, well, God can forgive me. Yes, that is so true. But then they wrestle with that because there's this secret of their past. It's one of the most, I think it's one of the most devastating things that binds us to what is essentially sin is the fact that either we, and I have that in my past, uh, Pastor David, I, 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 you know, an abortion in my past uh, was, was really ultimately God used it as the path to get me to be totally sold out for this, which is a, that's a story, another story I'll tell you at another time, but it is the same thing that also can constrain us or even keep us in a bondage where, whether it's for our own choice of the past, so-called choice of the past, or it's someone that we deeply love and care for that the choice that they made, sometimes trying to protect that, past and, and in a way mm-hmm. justify that past action, mm-hmm. it, it hinders people from moving and really allowing that to flow across and normalize it across all of those elements. Yes. And, and that's the temptation. That's the, the enemy's strength is mm-hmm. to use our fear of the past, mm-hmm. our shame and our guilt to kind of let us go forward, but not go forward freely. Right. And uh, the weight that I carry 
for instance, I'm a native New Yorker. Mm. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, East New York, the community within Brooklyn. And every year in Brooklyn, New York, more brown babies are aborted than born. Mm. Now, I'm offended at that. Mm -hmm. I'm offended that public policy, that politicians and preachers. Is that enough alliteration for you, (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Godsey? Politicians, policy and preachers allow that to happen. And we talk about racism in so many other dimensions. We talk about it when it's not there. We talk about it where it doesn't exist. And it does exist. But we we harp on these. And the primary area where brown people are endangered since Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. is the abortion rate. In the when, womb. In the womb. Mm-hmm. When there are 14% or less of our population in the United States are brown people, uh, then uh, you're talking about 50% of the abortions are greater. So there's a, and let's don't talk about the patron saint of abortion, Mm -hmm. Margaret Sanger, Mm -hmm. and uh, her belief in eugenics and endeavoring to uh, exterminate an entire race of people. And then, we go out and vote. And I, and again, anyone can vote for who they want to vote for. But why would you agree with a political construct that has as its foundation a, a loyalty and a preference and a promotion of a, a, a procedure that is killing the people who look like you. Mm. I don't live my life based on who looks like me. Mm-hmm. However, I'm aware that someone out there is endeavoring to eliminate uh, young lives, uh, babies' lives, and some of those babies are are brown. And so I I disagree with that as well. Well, certainly, and that was the stated purpose. I, I think the, the the phrase that Margaret Singer used involved the word human weeds, you yes. know, that, that there was this um, um, assignment That's uh, right. of some lesser value in that statement and others. Yes. That, that was the foundation. That's really what you're, what you're referencing was the foundation of what then becomes Planned Parenthood right. uh, in particular and the abortion industry in general, in general. carries that same reality. Yes. Um, we even have some politicians today that somehow will say it's it's uh, abortion is necessary for these communities. And it's like, I, I don't understand how they get away with that. You know, it's like, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Right. Um, but some of that is allowed to happen because we have people who are, are too compartmentalized in their, in their thinking and right. their beliefs. And they, they can't bring that information from their spiritual understanding into right. their other realms of the legal, the moral, the ethical, uh, that, that that's their challenge in bringing that. And, and just any, any other tips that you would have for um, helping people to see the light in that sense, to bring that into the other areas? I, I believe it's important, uh, Mr. Godsey, for believers or for non-believers to settle privately where they are here. In other words, to to model inwardly what morals, what ethics, what spirituality says to you on the inside and become comfortable with that so that you can then project that 
in an argument or in a statement or in a debate. Our people that are pro-life sometimes just don't have that fight. We mm. we believe in life. We believe we're pro-life. I just don't want to engage with anyone because I'll be a racist. I'll be mm. called uh, some type of a, a phobophobe, <laughs> some type of some name. Right. And as Christians, we just want to be loved. We want to love people. I want people to think the best about me. So I don't want to say anything offensive. Although abortion in in of itself is offensive to God the Father. Mm. See, we don't think about that. Mm-hmm. We think, I don't want to offend this person, but God is offended. I don't know if you saw this. This was just a couple of months ago at the State of the Union address. Mm-hmm. And there were members of a particular political party wearing lapels. Oh, yeah. Not, I love children. Not, I love America. Not, I love the globe. I'm against Martians. I I love humans. (laughs) Not, I love the Buckeyes. I could go with that one. I love the Dallas Cowboys. That's near and dear to my heart. I love the Yankees. I'll take any of those. No, I love abortion. Mm. Our culture is broken. If people, even who in some cases would say, I believe that this should be protected. This right should be protected. Okay, we can discuss that. But who loves Mm -hmm. abortion? Mm -hmm. Something is wrong Mm -hmm. in that soul and in that consciousness. And uh, prayerfully, the Holy Ghost will show us how to win these people uh, through the spirit of love. But there has to be truth. And Paul talked about that. Mm -hmm. I give you the truth in love. Mm -hmm. Truth alone, I'll beat your head in. Mm -hmm. Love only. I'm not really helping you because you don't have the truth. Truth is what makes people free. Mm. And so we've got to learn how to put that's Ephesians 415. Mm. I know, you know, we've got to put truth and love together and in our in our debate and in our arguing so that we can set the captives free. Building each other up. Right. So that's probably one of the most uh, key reasons why people don't engage is they don't they don't always know how to package the message in a way that is winsome. Uh, yes, sir. It, it's it's recept it's receivable. It's not an attack. Uh, there, there's a time for attack language in certain settings and situations, but generally, when we make it normative in our day to day life, it's really finding ways. This is what I've found anyway: is to speak it in a way that is open. Yes. And 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 loving as loving as we can be, although we're speaking about a very what I feel a very unloving thing, which is abortion. But we can speak it in a loving way. Yes. With understanding, and yes. yet, like you said, with truth. Yes. And that that to me is seems like one of the most. Um, one of the biggest reasons why people will pull back from because they feel like it's a confront. It has to be a confrontation. Right. And in fact, it actually doesn't have to be. And if someone reacts like it's a confrontation, then that's actually a clue as to where they may be. That's right. I I believe this uh, to that end. There are more people that are pro-life than are not. It's just the the media has deceived people into thinking that they're pro-abortion. They may be over here and saying, well, if the mother's life is in jeopardy or if there is rape or incest. Now, I don't make those exceptions necessarily in my 
worldview, mm-hmm. but there may be people that do. But that's a pro-life person. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I don't want to see abortion except in those cases. So mm-hmm. I will try to tell that person, but you are pro-life. Mm-hmm. Just minus these two or three exceptions. So let let me get you to feel better about being a cowboy. You're trying to be a Philadelphia Eagle. You actually are a cowboy. Come over here and put this star on. Put the blue and gray on. I know you want to do this. And now, uh, as a Dolphins fan, I can't really go into that <laughs> analogy, but I have my own issues, you know, because the Dolphins <laughs> make me cry. But you, you make a good point. It, um, we we need to meet people where they're at and, and affirm what they do. So that's that's finding that like agreement statement. Well, yes. you can agree with yes. them at that point. We agree. Uh, we we often agree on far more than what we disagree on. That's unless, right. Unless we're dealing with someone who's radically pro-abortion. But then, right. Well, that's an ideologue. And, and the, okay. the, ideologue like, is, the ideologue is just not going to be, they, they just are not going to come over because they already have made up their mind. But they are, I don't believe the majority are ideologues. I believe the majority are people that have just been co-opted. Um, another technique I will use uh, is I will say, I'm I'm pro-life. And I will tell you, it is not easy for a woman to choose pro-life. It does not mean her challenge, her test is over. Now, pro-abortion is going to say, having abortion is the easiest thing. And then it's done. You're finished. I'm admitting that to choose to have a child, it's a, you're a, you, you, you don't have any easy choices in front of you. Right. It is a test. However, in this case, we're going to help you. I know people who can help you. I know people who will meet you if you choose to have this child. So that's another thing that we can do, I believe, is to admit it's not easy. This is not a panacea. Right. It's a test. Right. But it is a test that will honor God and will honor your life. And you will, down the road, you'll be pleased that you took the time, as opposed to facing the guilt and shame that God will forgive, but can you forgive yourself? Well, you said this earlier. Uh, our culture puts pressure on these women and, and, in effect, drive them to that to where they feel like there's nowhere else to turn. Uh, there's that they're they feel in that sense really so alone, right? Or whether they're left alone, abandoned, and or in some some ways they're coerced. That the only way that they can really uh, think uh, the path forward is is by taking the life of their child. That is the the brokenness of our culture doing that. I, I, I've said this uh, to others. You know, we, we've lamented the fact that China has a one-child policy, or now it's supposedly a two-child policy. Well, we don't have that policy in our government, but we have it in our culture, and right. even in our even in our church culture. You know, we we question the minute a, a family has four or five children, we start. You know, we suddenly it's a place to yeah. We give them looks like like you're giving me now. We give them looks. We we make comments. I'm guilty of this. You know, you have the the jokes come you know, come quick. But in essence, we in our culture have kind of created a two child policy. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a pressure on our, on our people. What one is it, is it uh, pushes against families, you know, bigger families and the idea of family in general, it kind of constrains it. Sure. Um, But it also, it also puts pressure on the women to make then the perfect Right choices, right? Uh, the at the perfect time, and we all know, right. particularly as parents, you know, like there's never a time where you go, "Yep, I am officially ready now to have this, have a baby." Like that, that never really happens, uh, and yet somehow that's 
presented, you know, as, as the reality in our culture. And our culture, like you said, needs to do better. Do, do you feel, and this is a question to you, I know you're interviewing me, but now I'm going to switch it up. Do you, is that okay? Yes. As long as you call me Jarrell and I'm Mr. Jarrell. Batsy. All right. <laughs> Jarrell. Uh, am I correct in my belief that our culture, for whatever reason, chose orig- with the original row case to legislate uh, in the courts the whole idea or thought of abortion, whereas some other Western cultures, it may be Great Britain, if I'm not mistaken, they just voted, I think, in the 60s. If I'm not, my history is not failing me. And that's what we should have done here. But we instead uh, went through the courts because I, I don't I don't think the uh, votes were there. So they went through the courts and that caused this rift that uh, and the animosity between the two sides. And so perhaps now that that role piece is gone. Uh, it looks like it's very heated right now because um, it, it looks like they're, they're having as many abortions as they were prior to Roe being reversed. Um, but um, we've got the ability to change hearts. We do. And this is going to be interesting. Uh, the, I think the most recent example of, of, of the idea of voting for this was Ireland, actually, which is staunchly pro-life uh, uh, in its culture until having this referendum that actually happened wow. in 2018. Right. So they wow. had their moment, but they voted on it. And it was one of the saddest things to watch people cheering the fact that they could now kill their babies. And it was, just, it was unfortunate. And I, but I think we're on the path to something similar where, where yeah. at least to your point, we have the ability to wrestle with this issue in, in a legislative and in a political process. It, w- it was subverted by the courts. Right. You know, we would, we would say that the court took an activist approach in, in 1973 with, with Roe and then subverted the conversation. In essence, that's when they so created a so-called right to abortion that then they protected and preserved for, you know, 50 years, practically, right. practically speaking, um, until it's undone. Um, and in a way, it's we, we're now in this political situation where we're seeing it in the states. You have what, more than 10 states have made severe, right. re- severely restricted abortion, and then more than 10 states are doing all that they can do to invite abortions happening, you know, tourism and abortion. Right. And so the battleground is now moving to this kind of state environment where where we're going to be working it out. And, and who knows? <clears throat> I see... I, like many, like I'm sure you do, like like many of us on the pro-life side, see this more akin to the slavery situation. Like, I don't Absolutely. think there's any point where we're going to go, well, you can have a few slaves. You just can't have too many. Like, <laughs> right. that, that, that's a ridiculous statement. Right. You know? right. Or you can enslave someone for, you know, some time, but not all their lives. Right. Like, those are ridiculous uh, waypoints in the middle of, a, of that argument. That's good. And abortion, I think, is has the same reality to it. We're, uh, we're going to have to have the the political Jordan, will and the good. cultural will to right. say this is not okay to do. And you said it at the very beginning about because there are other things than just scriptural. There's this ethical reality and a humanity. These are fellow human beings and our, our yes. morality and our ethics should always favor life of other humans, particularly innocent humans. Yeah, life is determined. And my father taught me this real character is determined by what you do for someone who can do nothing to you or do nothing for you. Mm. 
And so uh, the way we treat our elderly, our very oldest, and the way we treat our youngest is showing us something about us as individuals and also us as uh, as a culture mm-hmm. is that if we treat the youngest and the eldest poorly, that's a, a mirror back at, at what's going on in the culture. I mean, the individual has a personality. Mm-hmm. A nation has a culture. Mm-hmm. The, the culture is the personality of the nation. And right now, our personality is trash. As a nation. <laughs> as, a as, nation. A nation as a nation. I would agree. As a nation, it's a problem. However, you know, and this is our audience, we're talking to a remnant, so to speak, right. who is living their life every day with that same character in mind. You know, the, yeah. I, believe, I believe that in the pregnancy help mm-hmm. movement that we will never, ever fully know this side of heaven, the impact that we have made. And, and cause we're, we're it's working. And I think of the, you know, the donors that write checks. I think of the, the volunteers that give a few hours and the, right. in the, the help in the back room. Like they never actually see the faces of the women that we talk to and much less the, the, yes. the children and the babies and the lineage that then flows yes. from those things, this side of heaven. But that's the, I, I think of that as like, you know, uh, the a- Abraham, you yep. know, would you, would you spare this city for but for right. ten righteous? And right. Fortunately, I think we have that that remnant that <laughs> is do. sparing the nation. Uh, you know, uh, we who, do. who knows where we're headed and how that will do. But uh, grateful for uh, the pregnancy work. Thank you for the work that you do and yes, helping sir. impact the culture. Thank you for taking time to spend time with us, and yes. I look forward to being with you in uh, Louisville. Thank you so much, Jorrell. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you both. Uh, I know we've been talking about conference a lot in our recent episodes. And so whether you're joining us in person or virtually, we really do look forward to connecting with a lot of our listeners and sharing that time together. Um, And I'll be recording a few episodes on site. So be sure to subscribe so that you uh, get those updates as soon as they're published. And uh, with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast. 